Welcome to Community Matters, a podcast from the Canadian Association of Community Health Centres. I'm your host, Hilary Leblanc. On this episode of the podcast, I am joined by Janice Abbott, CEO at Itira Women's Resource Society, a women's anti-violence organization that, among many other programs and services, operates a community health centre in Surrey, British Columbia. We will be exploring the important work they are doing as we honour December 6th, which was the National Day of Remembrance and Action on Violence Against Women, and work toward improving access and to care and support for women across our nation. How are you doing today? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Wonderful, thank you. Um, so to start off, please tell us more about Itero Women's Resource Society, where it's located, and the services and programs provided in the community that you serve. Sure, so Atira is um, an organization located in, uh, in the lower mainland of British Columbia. So we have programs and services in a number of the communities in the lower mainland, um, including Vancouver, Richmond, Burnaby, Surrey, Port Coquitlam. Um, and we are primarily a women's anti-violence organization and we manifest our manda mandate uh, through um, a lot of housing, um, but also related support programs for women and children who've been um, impacted by violence. That's amazing. Um, I did see while on the on your website that you've been CEO for 30 years this year, which is amazing from my understanding. Um, and during that time period, I was curious because the way that we've discussed gender and labels like a woman has evolved. Atira is accessible to anyone who identifies and lives full-time as a woman and who experiences gendered violence and misogyny, including trans, two-spirit, and intersex women, as well as those who gender whose gender expression is femme. I'm curious if you can talk about the process evolving to this point and why Atira felt it was so important to be inclusionary. Yeah, so um, honestly, there was no sort of um, great debate with respect to including uh, transgender women in our uh, services or programming. Um, it was a decision we made in the um, sort of mid to late 90s. So um, it feels like it's just been the way it is for forever. Um, and honestly, uh, the decision was made because we felt like it was the right thing to do. There was no great debate, no, no real resistance within the organization, um, and no um, uh, detailed analysis. It just it felt like the right thing to do. And uh, so, so yeah, so we made that decision back in the 90s. That's one. That's wonderful. I was I was very um... I've worked with other organizations, not in necessarily this world who, you know, they discuss like the nuancing and the language and it's so, so important to be so inclusionary. So I, I really appreciated that when I was uh, doing my research at the Community Health Center. Um, Atira Women's Resource Society also offers, I, as I saw, various programs such as pet outreach and outreach van and also legal advocacy. Can you tell us how and why some of these um, different programs were added? Sure. So most of our programs across time have been added because um, women, uh, including staff and women uh, and children who access our services, identified them as needs. So, you know, it comes to our, the, the, I mean, the pet outreach is a really good example. We, um, we also, our programs are also um, all pet friendly. Our housing is all pet friendly. Um, it wasn't back in 1992 when I started, um, but when we began to see women, um, uh, resist reluctant to leave home where there was violence occurring because they had no safe place for their pets 
or um, having to give up their pets uh, for a couple of weeks or months while they stayed in a transition house because we did have um, an arrangement with a local shelter that women could take their pets there, but um, pets are part of the family and and just across time as you know in in our um, our desire to make our services as, as accessible as possible to women, um, the pet outreach program was developed. Um, and it kind of is the same process for most uh, legal advocacy, which we've been operating for about 20 years. Again, it, it was um, women who were having difficulty finding a lawyer who understood uh, their particular circumstances. Um, and we do a, a, a lot of um, legal advocacy related to poverty law, but also custody and access and also systemic change. So um, the disproportionate apprehension of Indigenous children, for example, we've um, partnered in uh, in um, suits against the, the, the various systems that make that happen. So it's really just um, listening to the women we serve, listening to our staff who are working on the front line and developing programs that uh, address the, the, um, the gaps that are identified by women. Absolutely. Um, as you mentioned, so you highlighted some of the, the housing projects that you worked on. I'm going to list some of the wonderful um, projects that, that you have going on. And I will say that I, I, I that you're a very unique community health center in terms of our membership. So which is why I was really excited to have you a part of this. So um, you, projects that you've worked on include the Pan-Canadian Voice for Women's Housing, the 420 Hawks Avenue Housing Development to help women raise children together, Enterprising Women Making Art for Women Affected by Violence to Use Art to Overcome Barriers, Canada's First Upcycled Shipping Container Housing Development, the SNA 7A, Transition House Society, yes, um, perfect. Um, and the Yayam Digital Storytelling for Storytelling for Youth as some amazing innov innovative projects. Um, can you outline what some of these projects are and sort of how their conception came to be? Uh, so just a corrections, it's Snaha is the name of the, the new project in, um, in Chase. Um, so uh, again, it's, it's um, identifying needs and um, gaps in services that, that women bring to our attention. We work with women every day, we're on the, on the front lines, we're listening to them, we're talking to them. We are experiencing when we're trying to advocate or make referrals, we're experiencing those gaps in services and, and we're frustrated when we can't, um, can't find something that, that women need in order to, uh, um, sort of get get themselves uh, healthy, get themselves well, um, or create opportunities for them so they can do that. And um, and so it's really just a a process of um, listening actively, listening to women, looking for other resources, and then um, working to develop resources where there are gaps. Amazing. Um, and, and in terms of, again, other resources like that, it also offers early care and learning centers and even hires women who reflect the, the clientele. Um, can you also tell our listeners like why it was important to incur to incorporate hiring staff that, you know, represent the clients of Atira um, and the impact that that program specifically has had on, on the community that uses it? Uh, sure. So um, again, back in the early 90s, early to mid 90s, we um, we made a decision that we would drop the requirement for a university degree to be eligible to apply for a job at Atira. Um, we recognize that um, while there are many um, uh, amazing women 
skilled and amazing and passionate women who have university degrees. There, there are a lot who don't, um, but who have lived ex expertise, who bring um, the skills of their life experience to the to the workplace. Um, and we really believe that we needed a combination of um, skills and experience on our staff in order to uh, best um, serve the women uh, who access services at Atira. So, um, so probably in about 1993, we changed our, um, our human resource policy to include women who brought lived ex expertise to the work. Um, so, uh, and why does that matter? Because it means we have um, women who understand what the women who are accessing services are going through because they've been there before themselves. Um, many women who have developed uh, uh, excellent skills um, uh, based on their lived expertise and um, and who have accessed services before and know and know how to um, to work the system. So uh, so yeah, it it and it means when women come into the space, they see women who reflect themselves. So that includes um, women who speak. Uh, different languages, um, women who look the same as they do, um, and it makes the space more comfortable and more accessible. Um, we hope, we believe. Of course. That's why, we, that's why we continue to do it. Yeah. Um, so I, I was also really um, interested to see that Tira has several um, social enterprises, including property management, a coffee shop, and programs focusing on helping women create and sell their art as previously described. How has delving into that world of social enterprises contributed to the, the overall community health center model um, and has impacted the community that you serve? Um, so I, and I'm not sure how to connect them to the community health center. The community health center is one of um, Atira's programs. And um, as you um, probably know, it's a unique community health center among, I think, community health centers that has a very specific and a very narrow mandate um, I guess with respect to the social enterprises, because there's employment opportunities and income earning opportunities for women, the women who access the community health center um, are able to participate in those programs, like like all of the women who access our programs and services. Um, but I'm not sure if there's a direct connection between the social enterprises and the community health center, except, except that it's, a, um, a, I guess, a, a basket of services that we're able or opportunities that we're able to provide to women sure so i'll clarify that when i say community health center model what i mean is that idea of like wraparound care and support and so not just primary care as we might see it as a community health center in ontario where you're going to get um vaccines or or see a therapist but the fact that what i found interesting was you know if you've got a coffee shop and property management and you're focusing on selling art you're developing as we've already discussed like all of these resources help build I assume, you know, mental health fortitude and a sense of community and a sense of pride in self that to me would lend specifically to the idea of the model without being specifically directed, like directly linked to the building of the community health center. So that's what I was more curious about was how, how it's impacting the, the personhood and their, their development and their, you know, like zest for life, if you will, by having all of these different options and things that you've delved into because there's, I don't know that we have another community health center in our in our in our membership that like has any relationship to a coffee shop specifically, other than you know maybe a partnership. So it's very very cool. Yeah, I, I, I again the, the um, I, I'm sorry, I'm struggling. The, 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 
there's not a direct connection. Okay. Um, so I'm struggling to respond to that connection, mm -hmm. except in that all of the programs and services that we offer create opportunities for women if they choose to pursue them. Yeah. So everything is obviously um, uh, women's choice. They they pursue um, the very, including the community health center. They pr pursue the various programs that make sense to them. Um, so. Uh, you know, I, I think that um, having these um, having these sort of basket of opportunities for women um, and for the community uh, hopefully just creates space for women to make make um, be, to be able to make choices about uh, where they're going. What needs do you see within the community and clients that ITERA Women's Resource Society serves that rely on investment from both provincial and federal governments, as well as health system decision makers to improve the health and well-being of the clients and community? So the first two words I didn't hear. So I heard the last. Then what are the needs of the that you see within the community and clients that are basically basically directly impacted by a federal and provincial investment? So um, with respect to Maxine Wright Community Health Center, um, we uh, started in uh, about 2002 um, with a, uh, two women that we had been working with who um, we met after they went to hospital. Um, they had uh, shown up at the hospital in Surrey um, to give birth without ever having seen a doctor. Um, and in both of those cases, the reason they hadn't seen a doctor was because they had partners who refused to let them um, see a doctor for any prenatal care. Um, so Maxine Wright um, sort of grew out of that um, experience. And uh, we soon uh, came to realize doing some research that there were about uh, um, 120 women at that time who showed up at Surrey Memorial Hospital every, every, every year having never had any prenatal care, um, many of them because they had abusive partners, but not all. There were other reasons as well, mistrust of the healthcare system, um, language barriers. Uh, and so, um, so Maxine Wright came about um, as a result of working with those women and, uh, um, and recognizing that we needed a more community um, friendly, community accessible uh, uh, program that would make it um, easier for women to see doctors. And so Matt's right is more than, uh, well, it's, I don't know if it's more than just a community health center. I think all community health centers are unique in this way. But you know, in addition to um, providing uh, prenatal health care, pre and postnatal health care to women, uh, we also have a hot lunch program and a drop-in program. So um, for women who are in a pregnancy outreach program, so for women who are in, um, in abusive relationships, um, the the program can seem more benign to their partners. Uh, and we're also there working with women who are struggling with um, substance use and um, and or mental wellness and um, and you know which is often goes hand in hand with violence. So women who experience violence often use to cope with their um, situations um, and they struggle with their mental wellness. So we wanted to um, to make a, a, a um, a center where we believed um, the abuser would be would seem more benign to the abuser, less threatening, um, and be able to provide the services that that women need um, in order to you know um, birth the healthiest babies possible and and to keep themselves healthy through the pregnancy um, and post uh, and postnatal um, periods. 
And is there anything specifically at the Maxine Rate Center that you you can think of that you wish that um in, like increased investment for that that specific community health center or anything in Interior in general that you know extra funding would really you know benefit or allow you to expand or grow? Well, we have at the Maxine Wright Community Health Center at last count, we had almost a thousand women and children on the um, on the client list. Uh, it, it's a it's a eight thousand or eighty five hundred square foot community health center. Um, we really need uh, a, a sister community health center. Um, we're really working hard to at Maxine Wright to um, be able to stay connected with women and children until the until the kids are age six. So we want to, um, which is when they go to school, so that there's um, eyes on or support for the family uh, through that sort of early childhood period. Um, and that's why we also have the, the um, daycare, uh, early care and learning center at Maxine Wright, so that children can um, potentially, uh, and we have housing there as well. So there's um, a shelter and second stage housing for women who are pregnant and early parenting. Uh, you know, when you start to have as many women or families on the client list as we do, then you have to start looking at making decisions like do we do they stay attached until age six or do we have to cut them off at age four or age two? Um, and really, uh, really what we need is a, a health center or a twin health center um, so that we don't have to make those hard decisions. Absolutely. Um, I want to thank you so much, Janice, for your time today. And I'll just wrap up with one last question while my, my co-host, if you're watching this, <laughs> is beside me. That's my, my pen, Maxwell. Um, I'm just curious if there's anywhere, um, if anyone wanted to learn more about Atira Women's Resource Society, where they would um, go look or a website if they wanted to learn about any of the amazing projects that we've uh, discussed today. Uh, yeah, best place is, uh, as, as always, is our website. It's www.atira.com. A-T-I-R-A dot B-C dot C-A. Wonderful. Thank you so much for your time today. Thanks, Hillary. Bye. Thank you for listening to Community Matters, a podcast from the Canadian Association of Community Health Centres. To learn more about our association and the important work of community health centres across Canada, go to www.cachc.ca.